Sometimes as photography business owners, we don't think of ourselves as CEOs, much less run our business like a CEO. Survival mode oftentimes trumps planning and time strategy when everything falls on us, right? It can be a bit overwhelming. But when we shift our mindset around business ownership, scheduling, and time management can pave the way to efficient business leadership. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with a collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Ashley Freehan is joining me today on the podcast. Ashley, owner of The Purpose Gathering, is a podcaster, brand photographer, and business coach for motherhood photographers. Ashley is sharing with us today how she learned to run her own business as a CEO and how you can too. With easily applicable tips and tricks, you're sure to leave this podcast episode inspired and eager to strategize your business task and calendar in a way that puts you in the driver's seat. Now I present to you episode number 27 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Hey, Ashley, how are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I'm super excited to chat with you today. I think as I was researching a little bit about, about you, like a lot of the things that you teach and talk about really speak to me and I'm very interested in. So before we get started, I just want you to introduce yourself and tell our listeners about you and what you do and what you teach. Yes, absolutely. So I am Ashley Freehan and I am the founder over at the Purpose Gathering. I am an educator for mom photographers. I also am a podcaster. I am a wife, a homeschooling mama of two, and I actually run a brand photography business in addition to my coaching business. And so I'm still in the photography industry and I just feel like my, my plate is always full. I'm very multi-passionate. I do a lot of different things. I also teach photography classes to homeschool students and adults. So two separate classes. But yeah, I just always find myself busy doing something that I love. So yeah, I'm super passionate about that and excited to kind of dive in today about all things photography related. Yeah, I think you have so much to talk about. So let's just start. I think we all start businesses because we want the freedom that we think comes with owning our own business to do things like you know, homeschool our children or just to have more time for our family or the freedom to make those decisions, you know, daily that we can work today or we can do other things that are important. And I think what we, some of us, most of us may find out quickly is that we end up not working nine to five, but working 24 seven. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I just love for you to just talk to us today. Tell us about, I know that you speak about as a mom becoming the CEO of your business. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So to give you a little bit of context and background, I have been a photographer for going on about 12 years, all of which I had a little one in tow. So I actually started my business before I had kids, but it wasn't really a business. So I don't really count that. It was like that hobby stage where you shoot anything and everything and you're just practicing. And then I really didn't niche down and start to understand the idea of like, 
owning a business until about 2012. So we're going on about like, I would say like 11 plus years of me really feeling more confident and owning that. Like I am a professional photographer title, but it took me probably about eight solid years to really understand that I was a business owner. Like I always said to everybody like, oh yeah, I'm a professional photographer, but I really didn't know what it looked like to be a CEO, which essentially I want to just like put that out there right now. What the CEO means is it's not like a big stuffy corporate word. Like we're used to hearing CEO just means that you own the role as the leader in your business and you are future focused. And so I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard this idea of employee mindset versus, you know, a CEO mindset, and maybe they haven't. So maybe this is brand new, but essentially an employee mindset just means that you are used to following someone else's lead for you, right? Like if you've ever worked for someone else, which I'm sure all of your listeners have in the past worked for someone else, they tell you what to do, right? They give you the to-do list and you just check it off. But when you're an employee, you're not really thinking about the future of the business because it's not your business, right? right? Until it is, until you step into this role as a photographer, and then you don't realize, because I didn't realize this, that when you step into the role as a photographer, you also must adopt the leader role because now no one's telling you what to do. And so I think that's really this big aha moment that I had was, I'm in charge of my business. Like I'm in charge of where it goes. I'm in charge of if it succeeds or not. I'm in charge of how much profit I make. And so I think that was really a big eye-opening moment for me when I learned all the different facets of what it means to be that CEO. What brought you to that moment? Was there a turning point for you that made you sit down and look at all those things? Yeah, definitely. So I started the Purpose Gathering in 2019. So it started as a meetup group and I did a workshop and a couple of girls saw what I was doing and they were like, Ooh, this is really cool. Like I could totally be on board. Like they wanted to come and partner with me. And so we became actually really good friends. And for six months we worked together and they really helped me see that this could be a bigger business than I had ever imagined. And so really it was starting the purpose gathering, which led me down this idea of owning that CEO role, because now I was in a completely different industry. I was actually speaking to just mom business owners in general. And then recently in the past year and a half, have I niched down to speak specifically to mom photographers as a coach, but it was really that turning point in 2019-ish that I would say where I was like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been doing these things like I'm doing in the purpose gathering business for my photography business. And I kind of just went down that path of really finding out what does it mean to not just be a hobbyist photographer, right? I think a lot of photographers that kind of falls into our lap, we have what I call an accidental business where it's like, we just got a camera. We started taking pictures. We loved the creative aspect of it. And then all of a sudden people wanted to hire us. And all of a sudden we had all these business tasks to do. And we're like, well, what now? Like now we're kind of backpedaling because we have clients, but we have no structure. We have no foundation for running a business. And so that's really what led me to this was the fact that I was like, okay, I I'm building a new business. I want to do it the right way this time, but also how can I incorporate what I'm learning 
in the education space and the online business space to apply that to my photography business as well. And what I realized was there were a lot of photographers out there as well, similar to my journey, who had been doing photography for so long, but just didn't know what it meant to be that CEO. So where do we start? You said there are four pillars. So the key number one to really running a successful photography business like a CEO is to own that role. So the very first starting point is to own that you're the CEO. Now, if you don't want to call it the CEO, that's fine. I get it. That word kind of, you know, has a negative connotation sometimes. So just call it the leader, right? Own that role as leader of your business. So we kind of touched on that employee mindset and the fact that like employees are really good at task you know, completion. Let's check off the to-do list. But when you are the CEO, I want you to adopt this CEO mindset. I want you to work on your business, not just in it. So when you're in the employee mindset, you're kind of in the weeds of things, right? You're focusing on getting clients. You're focusing on executing the, the client work, right? Editing your photos, getting those galleries submitted. And you are not really necessarily always thinking about like profitability of your business or the efficiency of your workflows. And so really stepping into that CEO mindset is looking at the bigger picture of your business, being able to step back and look at those numbers, which I know a lot of creatives, we don't like numbers, right? We shy away from that because we are creative people. We are not the logical, you know, left brain people. And so that can be really hard, but when you are the leader of your business, it's really important that you're evaluating where your business is, where you want it to go and how you're actually going to get there. So that's the first step. Yeah. We talk a lot about that in our membership, looking at the numbers, running the cost of doing business and making sure that we're not giving our time away because like we said in the beginning, you know, we started the business in order to provide for our families and have time for our families and have the freedom in our lives. And so I think, you know, we all get excited in the beginning of our businesses that we're making this beautiful art and people love it. We just want to do more of that. But the more that you get to do, the more you realize, oh, I can't keep this pace up, you know? And so that's really smart that taking that mindset from the very beginning would be a much smarter way to go. <laughs> right? Yes. And it's just, especially if this is the first time you've ever heard this concept before, it can feel overwhelming because you're like, oh my gosh, like another thing that I have to do. Like now I have to, it's not really another thing that you have to do. It's really just shifting your focus and making sure that you are using your time wisely because that's really important. And that is another component really of, of being that CEO is learning how to manage your time well. So that would be step two is really like learning how to to look at the tasks that are on your plate and decide which ones are the most important, which ones are the ones that are actually going to move the needle, drive the needle forward in your business. And what are those ones that are just keeping you stuck, right? And one thing that I actually love so much, and when I say it, you're probably going to roll your eyes. Maybe not you, Kim, but maybe your listeners are going to roll their eyes. But the, the way to really manage your time well is to first understand how you're spending your time. And so the best way that I recommend doing that is to time track, keep keep track of what you are spending your time on. And I personally only do this with my business related tasks, but this could be important too. If you're wondering like where all your extra time is going, right. When you're not working, like 
okay, so I only have, you know, 15 hours carved out every, every week to work. And like, what am I doing with the rest of my hours? And I don't know if you use this too, Kim, but I've started using an, a little Chrome extension called toggle. I don't, have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's so amazing. Um, so it's a Chrome extension. It's totally free. You sign up for their program and it's T-O-G-G-L toggle.com. And what you do is anytime you sit down to work, you press the little icon for toggle okay. and it will open up this little screen and you can just hit start and tell it what you're doing. And so this is a really great way also for you to stay on track. So if you're one of those multitaskers who always has like 50 tabs open, I'm going to tell you right now to stop doing that, right? <laughs> the multitasking feels like a badge of honor, but really they've done so much research that says that if you are working on multiple things at one time, they're all getting very minimal amount of your attention. And so it's going to take you longer to complete it. And the work that you do is not going to be up to par. So, um, I like to focus on one thing at a time. And while my time tracker is running, if I, if my mind starts like running, right. And I'm like, Oh, I have this other task I have to do. I go back to that little toggle time tracker. And I'm like, Oh, I'm working on a blog post or I'm outlining episode number, you know, whatever for my podcast. And that helps me stay focused on what I should be working on. So managing your time is one of those things that especially when you have kiddos at home, or if you're working another job, in addition to your photography business, you have to be strategic because time is finite, right? We don't have infinite time. And so we do have to be really careful about how we spend it. And that has been my biggest learning lesson. Um, when I homeschooled my kids. So they actually were in public school for a while. Um, this is only our second year. My kiddos are eight and 11. And so I've really had to relearn what it looks like to be efficient in my business because I used to have way more time. Now I only have those 15 hours a week. So I have to be so intentional about what I'm putting in those time blocks. Yeah, I just counted. I have 16 tags open right now. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's a lot, right? <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, to be clear, sometimes you're working on one task and you need a few taps open. So I get that, right? No. Like I, that makes sense. But if there's no. 16 different things, then we yes. got to talk. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm very bad about starting on one thing. And then that takes me to look at something else, which takes oh, me yeah. somewhere else, which takes me somewhere else. And, but I do like, honestly, I love any kind of talk on time management, like anything like that. I love it, but it is really hard for, I don't know. I think it's a combination of creative slash ADD slash a touch of maybe dyslexia, yes. like all the things like that's just my brain pings. And I find it very hard to um, get deep into work. Um, so I would love, like, this is not, um, I don't think anything we plan to talk about today, but if you have any like practical tips for like, what, how do you plan your week and how do you find time for that focused work? Absolutely. And I'm actually building out a group coaching program right now about this because 
it's funny because I always just assumed that everybody knows what I know, right? Like, I think that's just a human, like a human nature kind of thing for us. Like we just assume people are similar to us, but what I have found is that people always are are asking me, how do you keep organized? Like, how do you work with only 15 hours? How do you homeschool? How do you do all these things? And I'm like, well, you just have to be really organized. And they're like, I don't know what that means. Tell me about that. And I'm like, how, how are you not organized? Like, it's just really hard for me to understand, but I actually was being interviewed on a, on a podcast a few weeks ago. And they asked me this, like, have you always been organized? And I was like, no, I actually haven't been like, it's something that I have learned. I've taken, you know, I've had my own coaches who have taught me how to be really intentional with my time. I have taken courses and things that have helped me. And so I guess along the way I have just become more organized. And so I would say that the first step to being more organized is to really create an ideal week. And This for me has been a game changer. And so essentially what I do is I go through each and every day of my week and I put in the things that are like, uh, you know, have a time to them, right? So like we go to the chiropractor every other week at this day and time, you know, maybe your kids have sports. So maybe you, you know, pencil in your soccer practice or soccer games or whatever the case may be. So this ideal week kind of ebbs and flows as your season changes. So basically what I recommend is this ideal week should change when something big changes in your like permanent schedule is what I call it. Cause when you have to be somewhere at a certain place in time, that's almost like a per- a permanent schedule for you. Right. So you yeah. kind of have to fit everything else in around that. But I have created rhythms in my week because I feel like before especially when my kids were younger, but I still would do the same thing. If I could go back in time with the organized like time management knowledge that I have now, when my kids were younger, I would have done the same exact thing. I would have made sure that I had time specifically carved out for work. And I wouldn't have squeezed it into the small little pockets of time like I did. And the reason why is because when you don't know when you're going to work, it's really hard to plan what you're going to do. And so I feel like we spend a lot of time just, just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Right. And we're like, Oh, I've got 20 minutes. Okay. What can I do? And I'm not saying it can't be done, but you do have to be a lot more organized if that is how you operate your business. And so these time blocks that I have set aside in my schedule are very strategic and very specific because I want to make sure that every week I know that on Mondays from 1 30 to 4 30 PM, my kids have childcare and my mom comes and she watches them one day a week. Then we have a gym or a elevate uh, membership, which is, I, I call it a gym for my kids. It's basically like a trampoline park and they can go and they can bounce while I sit and I get a two hour work block. Now I know that in that two hour work block, it is not quiet. I am interrupted. And so I have to really be strategic about what I plan in those, in that time block, because I know that I can't be doing like really deep work, right? I can't be doing really um, things that need the, my full brain capacity because it's just not there. Um, and then I have a work block on Friday. That's my longest work block. My kiddos go to an enrichment program all day from eight to three. Actually, it's like eight fifteen to three fifteen. That's my main work day. And then I also have a small work block on the weekend when my husband's home. So 
I think that's even only 12 hours. I think if you do the math on that, like it's not very many hours. And then I usually just try to add another time block somewhere else during the week. But what happens is that time block really doesn't happen because it's not standing. So I think it's really important that you have that ideal week. You're planning all of your personal items too, right? Like, so when are you going to have special time with your kids? When are you going to go to the grocery store? Like actually start to plot that into your calendar. And I know a lot of people, especially as photographer creatives, you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, Ashley, that sounds like a nightmare. Like that's my worst nightmare to have everything planned out. And that's really not what this is. This is really just making sure that those things that keep falling through the cracks or those things that are the most important to you are actually getting done. I also encourage you guys to put your self-care time on there. And if you have no idea what that means, like come talk to me, right? Self-care is so important, especially as a mama. So incorporating that into your week is going to help. I feel like just be more efficient in all areas. So I just did a... Uh, episode a few episodes back with uh, my friend and she's a she says I think um, everyday minimalism is what she calls it she she coaches and that is so interesting to me and I think that's so important like like you um as far as like being a creative and having busy minds and busy lives like your environment how important that is in all of this yes I love the idea of minimalism for sure like We have kind of been on this, I say we, it's mostly been me, (laughs) have been on this like journey of decluttering and really just getting rid of things that we don't need, getting rid of the excess, because the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to manage. And I have just found that having less is just more freeing. And I'm trying to teach my kiddos that as well, but it's not something that you can force onto another person. It's not especially like your spouse, right? Like I've tried to encourage my husband to be more minimal and it's, it's not working yet, like a little bit, but not, well, that, not fully. <laughs> that was a question that came to my mind is how on board is your husband with all of this? Is he very yeah. organized as well? No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of like one of those people where he's not a messy person by any means, but he definitely like has his way of organizing things. And it's not my way. It's like piles of things. Like he knows where everything is, but I'm like, I I'm thinking of the garage, for example, like he can tell me where anything is in the garage, but I'm like, how? Like I literally walk in the garage and it just looks like very overwhelming to my brain. Um, but for him, he's like, I know where everything is. And I'm like, okay, well, when you want some help, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do before photography, Ashley? Oh, I was a nanny actually for a really long time before photography. I was always like wanting to teach. And so I was in education too. So I taught at like preschools. I was a preschool teacher for quite a while, um, but always loved kids. So nannied for like eight, eight or nine years for like seven, seven or eight different families. So yeah, that I just loved being around kids. Okay. So Let's circle back around to, we were talking about the four pillars of running your business like a CEO. And so yep. we could talk about time management all day, but we'll move I know, on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the next step that you say is streamlining your processes. Absolutely. So that's the next kind of key, which I would say in running a photography business like a CEO. And it kind of parallels really nicely to time management because 
If you do not have processes for the things that you do on repeat in your business, it's going to kill your productivity. It's actually going to take up way more of your time than it needs to. And under the pillar of streamlining also comes automation, which is another big like buzzword, right? In the, in the entrepreneur space is really finding ways to do things in a simpler way, but also in a way that you don't necessarily have to be available for. So automating those steps can be really helpful. Even something as simple as, you know, you get an, in, a photography inquiry and then you have an automated response that says, you know, thank you so much for your inquiry. Here's where you can find out more information while you're waiting for my response. Just something as simple as that can really help streamline the fact that, you know, you get that message in the middle of whatever you're doing, maybe you're playing with your kids or you're working on a project and you get that message that says you got an inquiry and all of a sudden you feel like you need to drop everything that you're doing and respond. So they at least know that you're, you know, thinking of them. And this automation can just help give you a few minutes to gather your thoughts and be like, it's okay. I can reply in an hour when I have some time because my automated response went out and they know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming to, to respond. So things like that. I mean, and then we can get even more deeper if you want to into like some more of those processes, but essentially it's just very important that each part of your business, each step that you have to do on repeat, even like onboarding a new client, you know, sending like your client workflow of like automating emails when you need certain things like I used to do weddings. So I actually started as a wedding photographer and then transitioned just recently into brand photography, maybe the past couple of years. And so I had a pretty elaborate workflow for weddings because I wanted people to, when they booked me also have, you know, some touch points where I was sharing with them like hair and makeup artists or florists or, you know, the things that maybe they hadn't even gotten to yet. Um, and just, you know, delighting them along the way being like, Hey, I know I'm just your photographer, but I'm also here to help make wedding planning easy for you. Here are some tips. Here's some blog posts about, you know, why you might choose to do a first look, right. Or some traditions that you might choose to, um, you know, overlook or not do in your, in your wedding. So things like that. So I think that's really important too. This is not an episode about client workflow by any means, but that's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about streamlining your processes is just making sure that when you think about your business, you think, Oh, it's organized. It's taken care of. Like I have a methodology with, with what's going on and what the next step is. So you're not always feeling frantic of like, Oh shoot, they're asking me about when they have to do this. Like we should always be one step ahead of our clients and not fielding questions like that. I think that that's really important when you have that more CEO mindset of your business versus just, you know, checking off the boxes and kind of playing catch up, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So are there pain points that you see over and over here that you have suggestions to resolve? Yeah. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is just managing clients. So like having a bunch of different places where people are inquiring with you. So maybe you have like a Facebook account and an Instagram account, and then you also have a contact form on your website. And so you're getting inquiries and maybe you're getting text messages too from like word of mouth referrals. And so you have all of these different places where people are trying to get in touch with you for more information. And then you are trying to keep track of, oh, you know, Mary just reached out. Was that on Instagram? Was that in my contact page? Like, oh, I don't remember. 
And so one really simple way to streamline your inquiry process is whenever you get an inquiry, no matter where it is, you send them to your contact form. Like, hey, thank you so much for your inquiry. Do you mind copy and pasting this over on my contact form? Here's the direct link. That way it goes into my workflow and I actually make sure, you know, that it's an organized place. So that would be like a very simple tip. And then once you have all of your inquiries coming through your contact form, then my next step would be to make sure that you have like a CRM, which is a client relationship management system. So a way that you can actually start to track those leads, not just in your head or not just on, you know, your task management system, but something that is a little bit more robust where you can actually start to keep track of where they are in that inquiry booking process. So that would be just like a very basic and simple example. Uh, which CRM do you use? So I personally use HoneyBook. Okay. That's the one I use. I know that there are a bunch of other ones out there. I just haven't used them. So I'm not like a really good, you know, advocate for those, but I like HoneyBook and they have made so many changes and so many additions to what they offer to, to their clients. And I just think it's all I need. So yeah, I just Jenny, use HoneyBook. Yeah. Jenny Allison and I, we all use 17 hats, but. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah. I have tried that one. And then like even going further on this, like setting up those emails, those automated emails, or even just like a canned response email in Gmail, those save you so much time as well so that you can just save a templated email. Like maybe it's your inquiry email, like, Hey, thank you so much for your inquiry. It's kind of basically outlined to check out these um, galleries of a recent session that I did. And then you just go in and personalize it per in, per inquiry, but you already have it all set up and ready. And you can do that in 17 hats and HoneyBook as well. But if you don't have that yet, something super simple is just using Gmail canned responses, same idea. And then the fourth pillar that you mentioned is to focus on increasing profitability. Yes. So there are so many things I feel like that are like vying for our attention, right? When you're an entrepreneur, there's just so many things that you can focus on and it can be really overwhelming. And I think a lot of us, I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but a lot of people that I know, especially like when you feel really overwhelmed with things, you just maybe don't do anything. Right. Right. But one of the things that I think is so important in not missing is the aspect of profitability. And I know you mentioned that you guys do this in your, in your membership about cost of doing business, but one exercise that I always have all of my students do is to really go through and figure out what has been your previous profitability, right? So like actually going in and figuring out how much do you charge per session? And then how much, how many hours does it take you to actually fulfill that client, right? And and how much time does it take to acquire that client? Because I think that's a lot, like a lot of people miss that part where they're spending a lot of time on social media. They're spending a lot of time, you know, with their blog posts and like that would be called marketing, right? Visibility. We're spending a lot of time there, but they're not really understanding that it's taking them so much time to get clients in that they're actually losing money because their their sessions are not priced profitably. 
So that exercise is really eye-opening for people to look at. And again, it goes back to the time tracking. Like if you're not time tracking how much time it's taking you with each client, then you don't really know if you're being profitable or not. And I think as a, I don't want to say naive photographer, but I think that maybe is like the best way to put it. Like before I really knew what to look for and how to own that CEO role. I really didn't even think about this. I just thought, oh, you know, my time is, it's not worth very much, right? I wasn't really understanding that my time was valuable and that the more time that I was spending marketing, for instance, or, you know, writing blog posts and things like that weren't actually leading for, for me to make more money. And so I just really wanted, want you guys to be careful about that and making sure that you're not spending too much time with each of your clients where you're actually not even taking home any money. So that would be something that I think is really important. And that's actually part of my, um, freebie that I have for you guys, um, which is the passion to profit challenge. And that's one of the days in there where you can go through and actually figure out, am I being profitable? Like how much money am I actually putting into my own pocket? Another thing that I didn't know before I owned that role as CEO was I didn't really understand that, you know, if I, if I made $500, let's say for a session that I didn't actually get to take home $500, right? There are different allocations that I had to make for my business to set aside for taxes, not only sales tax, but also self-employment tax. Then I had to set aside stuff for, you know, my own expenses, my fixed expenses in my business. So not all of that money is profit for me, which I would call owner's pay. So that's something that I think is really key too. And then we can also go on into talking about increasing profitability, which is like, what does that look like to start doing in-person sales, right? Because that can increase your profitability without you having to work a lot more, right? So how can you really be more profitable with each of your clients versus just acquiring more clients? Because I think we could all agree that we want to work less and make more, right? Gosh. So it's a lot of good tips and a lot of things that some of it we don't like to think about because it's not the art side of the business. You know, the numbers are hard for a lot of us and it really does make such a huge difference because like I said, like having been in this so long, you know, I can see the pattern of how, you know, you start out in this business with so much energy and so much passion for what you're doing and you just want to create beautiful art and you want to grow that business and to be competitive with other photographers in your market, then you realize like, I only have so many hours in the day and I only have so much energy. And then you run into that burnout wall if you're not charging enough to be profitable. And it's so important, probably more important than the artistic side of the business, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we don't, I mean, a lot of us got into business for the creative side, but why you stay in business is because it's helping support your family financially. Right. And when you actually start to look at it and you analyze things, you're like, okay, so am I actually running a profitable business or is it just an expensive hobby? And that was a huge realization for me when I figured that out, I was like, shoot, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be. And so you know, what do I need to do to course correct and make that happen? And it's really hard to stay creative if you're tired. Exactly. You're having to, your business is all about volume of work instead of being profitable with each session. So, okay. So tell me two of your best tips for someone just starting out. If someone is 
just a brand new photographer and they want to set things up right from the very beginning, what would you say are the two most important things that they should think about, look at, do? Oh, so good. Okay. Since you're only giving me two, you can have three I'm going to give you, you three. <laughs> okay. Well, let me think if I can think of three, but okay. so I was thinking if I could, if I could only tell you two things, number one, it would be to invest in a coach. My business did not take off until I invested in a coach. I took the first step and I said, you know what? I know that I want this and I'm going to hire someone who's already done this and who can help me pave, you know, pave the way. So I would say hire a coach of, of a person who's doing what you already want to do. Right. Or what you need the most in your business right now, where you're just like, okay, I'm really stuck in this spot, hire that specific help. And then number two would be relationships. So like focus on relationships. I think relationships, businesses grow at the speed of relationships. And the more time that you can dedicate to growing relationships with fellow photographers, with other industry professionals. So, you know, for example, if you are a wedding photographer, really making strong relationships with other venues, wedding planners, like I said, other wedding photographers, that is going to ignite your business growth just because you are making connections and authentic friendships. Like obviously don't reach out to people just because you're like, Ooh, they look like a great person that I could get ahead with. Like, don't think of it that way. Think of it as like, how can we mutually together benefit each other's business? How can we enhance our ideal client's experience by banding to banding together, banding together? So that would be, those would be my two biggest examples is like hire someone to help you. And then, and, and, and I know that's hard, especially when you're a new photographer, cause you're like, well, I'm just not making any money yet, but I promise you it will pay dividends by having someone help you avoid the pitfalls. That's what I so wish I would have done. And then creating those, those deep relationships. Those two things are, I feel like the most important. I think that's, um, especially inside of our membership, that's, that's the greatest thing. Because again, like I've been in this so long that I knew business before Facebook. I know that's hard to believe, but any information that you got, it was from a workshop or a conference or something yes. like that. And so to have a community of other photographers, you know, some that have been in business for a long time and some that, you know, are just a little ahead of you just to have that community of people that are willing to share the information that they have and the knowledge and support and the mistakes and the solutions is right. so valuable. So give me one motherhood tip. So if you told us about having your children do laundry, I'm going to yeah. try to do that again. Yeah, but if you had so one fun. other tip for moms running businesses, um, what would your best tip be there? I think my best tip, and it's probably not going to be your favorite, but it's going to be to prioritize yourself. I think for so many years, I just was like, oh, no one's going to take care of me. Like, who's going to take care of me? I played this like martyr mom card of like, oh, my business isn't growing because of my kids. Like my kids are my priority and my business is just going to grow slower. That's just how it has to be. And I just, I think I just really held myself back. And it was because I wasn't taking care of myself and I also wasn't taking my business seriously. And so when I really started prioritizing myself and not in a selfish way, but in a, I need to take care of myself. I need to fill my cup before I can be like the best mom, wife, friend 
you know, daughter, sister that I can be, I have to take care of myself. And so really setting up a good, like self-care routine in the morning. And that doesn't like, this is self-care. That doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to go get my hair done and get my nails done. This is self-care. Like I'm going to wake up and read a book because I want to, I'm going to move my body because I know it's important. I'm going to eat three meals a day and a couple snacks because I'm worth it. Right. Like that's the kind of self-care I'm talking about. Cause I know that moms are the worst at taking care of themselves. But honestly, if we don't take care of ourselves, nobody else is, they're not going to, it's not their job. It's our job. So that'd be my, my number one motherhood tip is to take care of yourself first. What's your morning routine? Ooh, good question. <laughs> so right now I'm kind of in this funk and I need to get back into my morning routine, but on a good day, my morning routine is I wake up to a regular alarm clock, not my phone. My phone is charged in a different room. We have a charging drawer in our dining room where everybody charges all of their, their devices. And I don't want to get on my phone the first thing in the morning because there's always emails. There's always someone that needs me. There's always something. And so I like to wake up. I like to be able to read a book that I want to read. This is when I do like my Bible study. So if I want to read my Bible or if I want to read like a devotional or something like that, that's when I do that. I also have been not so good about this lately, but I have this app called seven M on my phone and it's a seven minute workout. It's super fast. Um, they're like little gifts that go through and like show you the moves and it has really good music and it counts you through all of the steps and it's so nice and it's only seven minutes. And so I do a seven minute workout and then I usually get ready. So I try to be fully ready for the day and have all of that done before my kids wake up. So I wake up pretty early. I wake up at 6am, which for some of your listeners who might have small young children or even babies, like save this one for later, but I wake up at six and then I have a wake up boundary with my kids, which means if they wake up before seven 30, they need to play in their room, read a book on the couch or do something until seven 30, because that's my self-care time. And they know that. And they sometimes will try to push me on that. Like my son will try to come in and be like, mom, I'm ready to play a game. And I'm like, it's not seven 30 yet. I'm like, hold that game till seven 30. And now he's getting better about it. But, but I did this even when my kids were really young. So I, I need think a boundary we... with my husband <laughs> This is what happens <laughs> because I do the same thing. I, don't, I think it's part of getting older, but I automatically wake up five thirty, six o'clock and mm-hmm. I love it. The house is quiet. There's not TV blaring. No one's talking. It's like from five 30 to seven 30 is the only quiet time in my house. Yes. So I love it. And so I make my coffee and I get so upset when he decides to wake up at like six or six 30. I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, this is my time. <laughs> Go back oh my bed. gosh. That is so true that you say that. Cause my husband's normally gone before I am, but on the weekends, I notice my self-care time is not there because he's home. I never realized that that's why it keeps getting messed up, but it's because of him. <laughs> so maybe your new like self-care routine could be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I wake up at this time and I'm going to go do, you know, whatever I want to do at the dining table or something, please right. give me until seven or six 30 or whatever you guys kind of agree upon. But maybe that can be kind of like your new unspo- unspoken rule of like, right. 
Hey, I really need this time. I really want to talk to you too, but like, this is my time and, and can, and maybe you just have a little time that's just for him. Like, Hey, can we, can we do this from, you know, six 30 to seven where it's me and you, and we get to just chat something like that. I think that'd be helpful. Yeah. He's a chatter, chatty person. I'm not I'm like, don't talk to me until you're like, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, I have one more question for you. And okay. it's a question that I like to ask just because I think as like entrepreneurs, we're always like onto the next thing. Like we're so busy and we have so many ideas and sometimes we don't stop and realize that we have achieved the goals that we've set for ourselves. Yes. And so I like to ask like, what is your definition of success? Ooh, great question. I feel like the definition of success is a feeling. I used to get really caught up. And if I'm honest, I'm still sometimes caught up with success being a number, Mm -hmm. but I'm realizing that it's a feeling it's deciding like, okay, what do I want my business to feel like? What do I want my motherhood to feel like? And when it's not feeling that way, that's a red flag that something needs to change. And so I know all of us got into business because we wanted freedom. And as you mentioned, right, we like trade in our, our corporate job or our other job working for someone else to work 24 seven for ourselves. And it's like, I don't want that. Like that has never been my goal. Um, like I don't want to run a million dollar business because I don't want that type of stress. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what is, what is the business that I want? And I want the business that gives me time freedom. I want the business that gives me flexibility to be with my kids. I want the business that, you know, I can support other moms too. Cause I have team members on my team. I want to be able to support their, you know, journey of being a stay at home mom too, and have that flexibility. And I want my business to be a ministry that also reaches people because I'm a believer and my faith is really important to me. And so I know that like when I'm working for myself, I'm, I'm working for God. Right. And so that's really important to me as my ministry through my business and my motherhood. And I want to feel stress-free, which is not always the case, but when I know that I'm starting to feel stress in either, in any area of my life, something needs to give. And it's not going to be my family. It's got to be something else, right? Like, what can I do to help support? And it might be that I need more support from my family, right? But it's, it's, I'm not going to sacrifice my time with my family for my business. That's just not how I want to operate. So success to me is as a feeling, what do you want your life to feel like? And then everything else should fall into priority to that. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you today, Ashley. Thank you. Me too. This was so fun. Yeah. Will you tell everybody where they can connect with you? Yes, absolutely. So I have a Facebook group that I hang out in called the Purpose Gathering Mamas. I am on Instagram, but not very often. I really prefer to be over on Facebook, kind of just engaging with those people who have opted in to hang out in our free Facebook group. My website is thepurposegathering.com. And I think we'll have links in the show notes for my podcast, which is the Purpose Gathering podcast. And I have a summit coming up. If you don't mind me talking about it really quick. Sure. 
So my summit is actually coming up April 17th through the 21st. And all of those keys that we just talked about, you know, really being the owning the role of your CEO, streamlining your processes, increasing profitability. We're going to also be talking about um, skyrocketing your marketing. All of those topics are actually the themes for each day of the summit. And we have 20, I believe, 20 presentations all kind of over all of those topics, really helping mom photographers find more focus and intentionality in their photography business. So I'll be sure to put that link, send that over to you guys too. If they want to join, it's totally free to sign up for the summit and we'd love to see you over there. I'm going to sign up. I like all all those things. (laughs) I need all those things for sure. Yes. Oh, it's so good. We have so many great speakers. This is the second time that we've done this summit and we've had great feedback from everyone. So I just can't wait to hear everyone's presentations. They're rolling in right now as we're recording this, because this is a few weeks before it'll air, but oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. Well, thank you again. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye guys. Bye. Ashley, you're such a gem to us photography business owners, or should I say CEOs. Thank you so much for taking the time to generously lay out how we too can restructure our days, weeks, and months to better serve our businesses as well as our lives. I hope you, the listener, are ending this podcast inspired to make changes in your business in both mindset and workflow that will leave you feeling more like a CEO of your own business than a list checker. I can't wait to hear how all of you took Ashley's advice and applied it to your day-to-day business actions. At the Motherhood Anthology, we have so many free resources to help you navigate those next big business changes, whatever they may be. Head over to themotherhoodanthology.com, click on Courses, where you can download so many useful tools at no cost to you. You can also join the conversation and community on Facebook by searching for the Motherhood Anthology Community. And lastly, we'd love to connect with you at the Motherhood Anthology on Facebook and Instagram. So check us out there as well. I love this quote by Richard Branson. Business owners must work like a CEO, creating a vision for their company, making strategic decisions, and leading their team to success. From Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.